So I want to look tonight at this uh, teaching on uh, impermanence. And uh, uh, there's really a couple of tracks. Uh, that, uh, if you, so stay with me, because <laughs> there's two different things that are uh, going on in my mind about this topic. One has to do with how we set ourselves up to be able to see it. And one has to do with the actual seeing of it. Uh, and my mind went first to a talk that I remember from um, Ajahn Chah um, on the Four Noble Truths, where he he's, he points to I, I never heard these words used in relation to the to suffering, but he talks about ordinary suffering and extraordinary suffering, and ordinary suffering being the thing that that which comes uh, it's inherent in the human birth, uh, it's intrinsic in. Uh, having been born. But the extraordinary suffering, he says, is that which arises from wrong view, that which arises from not understanding. And so uh, when we don't see the impermanent suffering and selfless nature of things, uh, we suffer extraordinarily, unnecessarily, uh, because what the mind does then is it, it just kind of goes into battle against these uh, realities of our existence. It doesn't want things to be that way. It wants things to be certain, to be known, to be pleasant all of the time, to be under our control. And so, um, and, and it's actually that that is the suffering. That's what he's calling the extraordinary suffering. It's not the condition itself. I think this is just a, such a brilliant teaching of his, just to you know, lose all of the battle with the condition and go to the condition itself and, and open to it, dare to allow uh, existence to, uh, to operate like this. Uh, and you, you, we will find peace of mind. We will find a much greater happiness in our existence. So it's really quite profound when you think about it, because it's so obvious <laughs> when you start to uh, unravel what he's saying, so not obvious in the unawakened state, you know, because we're so caught in the battle. Uh, with, thing, with conditions as they are. So one of the, the best teachings that we have for garnering insight uh, into impermanence is this, uh, is going back to our last section, is that it comes in uh, the teaching of the four foundations of mindfulness. And, uh, you know, as we've seen, in each of the foundations of mindfulness, he's encouraging us to see the body as the body, see feeling as feeling, see the mind as mind, see mind objects as mind objects, and, and in a way, just uh, develop the capacity to leave it at that. Develop the capacity to let conditions be um, what they are. And uh, this in itself is very freeing. You know, as we mature in that capacity, uh, um, it, it, it creates a kind of settling you know, with uh, these uh, conditions that seem very personal. <laughs> and uh, it seemed to be who we are, but just to allow ourselves to start to relate to this body and mind um, in, a, in a new way. Uh, and that, as I said, that alone is, is a lot. Um, but the thing is that we often stop there. We don't really, it's not the whole picture of meditation. It's not the whole reason why we meditate. Um, it, it, in a way, that much of the training um, that he lays out in the foundations of mindfulness, to me, is the setup. <laughs> you know, it's like it, get to that point so that the uh, you're you're well positioned for the insights uh, that proceed from that. Um, and, and what he's saying, I think, is that you need a high degree of impartiality. You need a high degree of non-identification to be able to see uh, the, the changing suffering and selfless nature of things. Uh, and, and so that's what, that's to what the meditation is much more about than, than anything else. And so, you, you know, he lays out this refrain um, in, the, in the sutta, which we, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on, but it's, it's critical. Um, and the refrain encourages us to uh, not uh, to contemplate the body, mind, feeling, uh, and uh, the mind objects internally and externally, to contemplate their uh, arising and vanishing factors, and both their arising and vanishing factors, and and just uh, the third part is just to be simply aware uh, that there is a body. You know, that, that quality of impartiality that is standing back enough that just knows the condition as the condition uh, without any kind of proliferation about it. 
you know, I mean, this is huge, isn't it? <laughs> this is not easily won. But um, the, this is the, uh, the, the setup, if you will. This is what it, trying to get us to, to see, um, to break some of these habits of the mind uh, that uh, are the papancha, the proliferation of that experience, and that um, uh, really create the, the, where we live. You know, we just we we go on about things and we move into that, and and that's where we hang out. And this refrain is very very important, uh, and uh, it it appears many times throughout the sutta. In fact, I counted them; it's like sixteen times. After every point that he's making about how to relate to experience, he he, he goes into this refrain, and and so um, it, it, I think the the message here is that it's important. <laughs> You know, pick this up, pay attention to it. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but it, it has to be said that um, the significance of that can escape us for a very long time. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 okay, the refrain, okay, get to the next bit. Yeah, 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 okay, there's the refrain again, get to the next bit. You know, you, you just, t- the tendency uh, for many years in practice even uh, might be to, um, to skip over it. And I think if we're honest, um, will acknowledge that it can escape us and that it probably did. <laughs> and, and that's okay, because it takes a certain um, maturity in the setup <laughs> part of it, of practice, to be able to even see the significance of this. Um, and this is where I said there's kind of two parts to what I wanted to talk about um, tonight. Because I, I just want to first go into that. What, what, is the, uh, what are the obstacles that um, prevent us from uh, moving in, like really, really uh, realizing um, that uh, impartiality that the Buddha is trying to get us to. And I think, I mean, these are just my thoughts on it. It's not necessarily um, uh, widely shared, but I think there's basis for it in the suttas, and I'll I'll tell you why. Um, I I think a lot of it uh, has to do with how... um, the foundations of mindfulness are taught uh, initially how they were taught for many years I don't know about you but my uh, initial encounter with all this goes back 30 years and uh, there was definitely a lot more emphasis on methods and techniques back then and a lot of that's been carried forward Um, and and so that what you end up um, uh, facilitating is a way of picking up practice uh, through self-view, <laughs> you know, so that uh, it, it's, I mean, maybe that's inevitable, whether they taught it that way or not, but um, because uh, we're so entrenched in self-view that you have to know you're going to pick up the meditation through that view. <laughs> and, and what that affects when that happens is that, um, you know, uh, we think we're in the driver's seat. And we think that we're doing something in order to get somewhere to become somebody who has realized something. You know, that's <laughs> that's the way it plays out. You know, and and it's a it's a common. I mean, I I just like to talk about this stuff because I don't know anybody who hasn't done this. You know, and and I think we need to be uh, honest about it and 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 not in a. Uh, it's not an indictment. It's it's inevitable. It's, this is the way it plays out because we're entrenched uh, to some extent in this certain kind of delusion. So, so um, and, and then add to that the fact that through practice we become increasingly aware of how much is going on in the body and mind and outside of our control, right? Uh, and until, because we don't really know that yet, we haven't really seen that yet, then you can get these very strong impulses for a long time in practice of just uh, a lot of ideas about practice is all about making all of this stop somehow, you know, just getting on top of it. Um, but it, these kinds of ideas are all being um, driven by uh, delusion, you know, not not really seeing things cl- clearly, and, and and so for a long time you can think that. Um, making it stop, getting on top of it, handling it somehow, being the master of this internal universe is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> that's, that's me, that's my meditation. That's what I have to do in order to uh, get somewhere, in order to uh, 
uh, beat this thing, you know, <laughs> accomplish, uh, become an A-plus meditator. So, and, and as long as a self-view is so dominant, there, there's going to be this struggle to uh, control things. Uh, the sense of self is just trying to, to manage it all. And, and um, again, uh, I think it's inevitable. Uh, I think we just need to name it and say that's actually what's happening. And uh, just like anything, once we're able to uh, say, see it and say that with that kind of clarity, um, it's, it's like, you know, Mara, I see you. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it's, it's the beginning of the end of it. It has to be seen before it can be uh, worked through. So, so either way, whether we're caught up in, the, in, in methods um, or in um, issuing these all kinds of uh, directives in practice, the, the point being here and where it's related, I think, to insight into impermanence is that um, there's so much energy being tied up that, um, and that, that you're going to fail to contemplate you know, it doesn't, the mind doesn't even go there. It doesn't even, it's not outside of everything enough to be able to look on it with any, any kind of impartiality. You know, it, it's, uh, at least this is what I've seen. I don't know if you, you've seen this, but this is uh, definitely a description of my own process. And so um, you can really uh, miss the, the, the forest for the, for the trees. It's like we're up too close and, and looking at it. And, you know, at some point, we, we have to wake up to, to all of this. And, uh, and this is where I think uh, the Buddha is actually um, pointing to this. When, you know, I, I said I wanted to mention a few things about this first stage of awakening. Uh, and uh, this is where I see, um, he's saying, you, you, this is where some of the obstacles are. These are the first hurdles that you have to jump if you want to get to a place where practice starts to move along more easily, more smoothly, that entering the stream, you know, uh, there's, there's, some, there's three major obstacles in the way. And, and two of them are this. this uh, the first uh, is um, sila bhata paramasa. It has to do with attachment to methods, <laughs> attachment to practices, attachment to... Um, uh, doing this in order to get that that kind of uh, tit for tat kind of thinking uh, and, uh, and the other the, the second one is just we have to be able to see through the, the conundrum that self-view sets up and, and just break through this major form uh, of attachment so just cons- uh, consider you know what, what these two do I mean I said a few things but just a little bit more um, there are methods in meditation. What, nobody is denying that, and it's, it behooves us to understand some of those and um, uh, learn how to apply them. But the way that we apply them is the issue here. Uh, and, and so um, uh, we, we need to be able to apply them in a way that is more focused on what they're designed to help us do, not on the method itself. Uh, and, and that's a that's a, a, a major transition uh, for for most of us. Um, the focus is too much on on the methods, and and so what you end up doing is just getting good at the methods. You you get good. Uh, it, it's like you know if you've ever had that feeling of being um, look at me, I'm a good meditator. You know because I can sit uh, still and I can watch every in and out breath. And um, I can do that for 20 or 30 breaths, you know, but without the addition of, and that helps me get to be impartial enough to be able to see what, what, how the breath operates, you know what I mean? It's not, it's, the mind isn't going to that, it's just trying to get good, uh, get, get a, a, a accomplished in a certain skill. So, it, you know, when, when we do that, um, that's, atta- that's sila bhata paramasa, that's attachment to... Uh, methods in and of themselves. You're trying to, to get good at that and not seeing where, why we're doing that and where it's intended to take us. And, and you know, we can see how uh, over, the, over the months and years of practice you begin to see how preoccupied and attached we are to the, to the body and mind. That's for sure. But 
um, almost as a, in, in spite of that attachment. Over the years of practice, we, we begin to, to learn how to let things be. You know, we have to do that. We have to learn to get out of the way and let um, the body be the body, let the feeling be feeling, let the mind be the mind. Um, because it, not to do that is to suffer so much. You know, and, and so, so sort of coming in the back door, we begin to see that, don't we? And, and sometimes it's not even registering fully in the mind, but you'll find that over the months and years of practice, you're be, we're beginning to just uh, um, develop that impartiality. Uh, you know, not maybe from any kind of head-on uh, training, but more coming in the back door. It's like you, you have to become that way. And, and so, you know, um, we find that we're actually getting um, a little bit more free of all that constant activity that maybe early on in practice we're trying to stop and trying to manage and trying to get on top of. But just really um, uh, realizing that it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on. <laughs> you know, it, so that's going on with the body, so that's going on with feeling, so that's going on with the mind. It, it, it doesn't matter that there's so much going on um, and, and there's nothing that we need to do about it. I don't know, that's a huge relief too, <laughs> you know, just as a as kind, of, kind of a bonus side effect. Um, but really one begins to see that it's more a question of um, turning the attention to the right places. You, know, you don't have to uh, be caught in it. And that this, I don't know about you, but that's a real, that, that's a, that becomes as a startling somewhat realization over the years of practice. That I can actually know that a thought is there, know that it is a loaded thought, it has huge um, energy behind it, and um, I don't have to think it. <laughs> I, can, I can turn my attention away from that. It's like, whoa. <laughs> And, and, and then uh, now you're getting to the point where you, you get, we're developing enough impartiality to be able to turn with interest to what that thought is doing, how it's behaving, uh, and, and seeing more the, the processes of the, of the mind. So I just wanted to zero in on that a little bit because both of these tendencies, attachment to the methods and attachment uh, to the sense of, of self, um, they have to be overcome before um, practice becomes, can, in a way before it can really get off the ground because you have no basis for letting go until you do that. Yeah? Uh, but also uh, in, until it, it just starts to do itself. You know, people talk about getting to a place where practice does itself. You know, it's like, it's like you, you get it, <laughs> you understand. So there's no more figuring it all out. It's just uh, uh, go, um, get, getting with the program and letting it play itself out. So, uh, and in, in spite of this, uh, the tenacity of the, these habits, um, uh, we do, we do learn to get on top of them, don't we? And, and again, I you know, often remind us all that... Um, if you if I say things like this and you say, well, I don't know if I'm on top of it, um, I, I really submit that you need to look close <laughs> because I guarantee you, you, we've all been at it enough to uh, be enjoying uh, some of these uh, transformations of the mind. And, and if we don't see that, then um, we need to look harder, okay? And this is just a silly example I, I thought of. Um, it happened a couple of weeks ago, but uh, and this is a, an, an indication that one is getting outside. Just one, it was one Sunday morning. Uh, I was still lay, laying in bed, and um, I could see the various states that were going on in the body and in the mind. I, I often uh, like to lay there deliberately. I actually had to ask myself for a while if that was just a ploy to stay in bed. <laughs> but I, I like to lay there and watch and see what's going on, you know. Uh, because um, 
it, it's pretty um, open. It hasn't gotten really busy yet, you know. And uh, the, the the mind is um, it's easier to see what's happening. So here's what was happening. I was I was singing a song that I had heard probably the night before, and I was imagining a conversation that I was going to have with somebody that I was going to see that day. And I felt a slight discomfort in my bladder because I had to pee. Uh, and and um, but but what was interesting to me was that um, all of this was seeing um, being seen uh, from a a very relaxed and impartial place. I was just going, oh, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that, uh, and and. Um, it struck me that not that long ago, <laughs> um, any one of these things would have been the thing that started the papancha, you know, and that I would that that I, I got born into. Or um, did you ever notice that uh, I, I would just sort of watch sometimes and see like which which one is going to be the strongest one that's going to win in terms of the thing that's going to propel me out of bed, <laughs> you know. At another time in, in, uh, in my life, in my practice, it might have been the case that um, uh, I would just get up because I wanted to stop singing that stupid song, you know. Or uh, I would get up because I wanted to write down my thoughts about that conversation so I would be sure to make sure that I would be on top of it so I knew what to say when I was going to do that, you know, when I was going to see that person. You know that that kind of thing, or it might, uh, you know, I, I might get up to pee, but it would be out of aversion. I'd be really annoyed that the body behaves this way, you know. And uh, it, it sounds like little things, but um, getting to the point where um, none of that is actually uh, what's getting picked up, and not for those reasons, is very very rich, isn't it? You know, we begin to see that. Uh, we're, we're standing back, we're uh, resting in this place that is not picking up every uh, sensation, feeling, and thought and having to do something about it, having to create a world around it, or build a world, and, and moving into that. So, did, I mean, just, just take a notice, you know, do you ever notice how uh, this, uh, this is how things happen? You know, something in any given moment, whether it's the first moments of the day or any time during the day, uh, propels us into action. And a lot of the times we don't even see it, but it's uh, it's all being born out of not seeing and the papancha. And it's it's that same feeling you get. Like, do you ever enter a room and you go, you have no idea why you're in that room, but something that happened <laughs> a few seconds ago propelled you into that. You know, <laughs> we're not we don't see it. You know. So this capacity to just to simply notice it gets so strong it gets stronger and stronger every year and uh, I guess what I'm saying is that for all of us it's a it's a huge there's a huge freedom in, in just knowing that all kinds of things come into the mind and, and to know that so that no particular thing gets received with this sense of uh, self-importance and urgency. It's just all kinds of things come into the, into the mind. Now, I was reminded recently that um, samsara means wandering on, you know, and, and usually we think about that as wandering on from one lifetime to, to the next, but it's also this process at work in, from one moment to the next, you know. It's, the, it's that monkey mind that's grabbing one branch and grabbing the next and grabbing the next. That's, that's how the mind is operating. So, you know, we, we, we know this is true. We're certainly beginning to know, know it with a, a deeper, deeper understanding. And just look at the today and today's practice. You know, how many times, how many different sensations feelings and thoughts arose in the mind and how many different worlds did you create around those <laughs> and, and how many different um, times did you move into that world 
This is, the, this is what we want to be able to see. And just uh, noticing, you know, as meditators, we want to be able to notice this, to notice the, the variety of sensation, feelings, and thought, and to know them as that, and to be able to uh, see things uh, in this way, to, to begin to uh, free ourselves from that identification, and, and free ourselves from creating a, a world through papancha, just mindless papancha, or reactivity. And this is, this is the power of mindfulness and, and the subtext, in a way, and maybe not the subtext, maybe the dominant aspect of the foundations of mindfulness is to, uh, to uh, see um, the realities of our existence that mindfulness affords, that it makes possible for us to see. So all of these um, three aspects of the refrain, the seeing internally and externally, both internally and externally, seeing the arising and vanishing factors, both the arising and vanishing factors, seeing with bare attention. They all will help us to see impermanence. But the middle one, the one that has to do with seeing the arising and vanishing factors, and seeing both the arising and vanishing factors, that's uh, where the Buddhist going right to it, <laughs> and, and guiding us to, to do the same. So then our, our practice, just a few words on each of these, our, our practice becomes um, one of, of, of endeavoring to notice when states or when conditions arise. Notice them arising. To, to selectively attend, if you will. And sometimes we actually make that our practice. I'm going to zero in on uh, make my uh, all of my practice today or this week or this month or whatever uh, an effort to see that happen to see if I can be there for the arising of this and and this is is possible at, at any 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 time you're looking at the body you're looking at the mind and I was just watching um, watching it today just uh, like coming up the lane walking um, from the cottage uh, up this pathway here, uh, and how uh, over the here there was a splash of pink. The seeing of the pink, taking another step, it's no longer in the field of vision, the pink is gone. And there's this unbelievable smell that comes right um, at the, on this path here. I don't know what it is, it, it's heavenly. <laughs> and and you, you come through there and you go, you know, you get goosebumps and the, the heart expands and it's so happy with this wonderful smell. And then another couple of steps and you can't smell it anymore, it's gone. You know? And then uh, maybe a, a little bit further, just uh, feeling a breeze. You know? All of uh, sensation, the various forms that sensation takes. Uh, are, are we there for the arising of them? To, to, and, and know it as such. And not, and just leave it at that. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like that would could be uh, that that smell in particular. Uh, you know, I love beautiful, wonderful smells. Could be the kind of thing that makes me go, okay, where is it? Where is it? I got to find it. I got to cut some up. I got to bring it home. I got to plant some in my garden. You know, uh, <laughs> that could easily happen um, out of um, these pleasant moments. But I think what he's saying is, you know, try, try not to do that. Try to just be there for the arising of it and, and, and leave it at that. And just notice these moments of, of physical uh, contact. And in the same way, to, to do the same with uh, mental uh, patterns. Just become a, a lot more matter-of-fact about... Um, mental states that arise. I often feel them as, as contractions because a lot of them have to do with uh, fear or resistance. You know, like maybe you're in one of the groups or talking to somebody and, um, you, you know, you begin to feel that contracted feeling of, um, uh, well, yeah, I don't know if they like me. I don't know if, uh, if I like them. You know, just that um, contracted uh, state. And a little bit, and, and just to, to, to be there, right there when that happens. And to know, oh, there it is. There's that, there's that thing I do when I'm scared. Yeah? 
and it, it, it just, just goes whoosh, it rises. And you, you see the arising of it, but you're there, and you caught it. And so it, do, it doesn't become a full-blown uh, anxiety attack or whatever uh, it, it might lead to if we don't see it. Yeah? This is uh, just noticing the arising of things. And I had a very good example of this uh, a couple of months ago when I was in a meeting with somebody and um, a, a, couple of, a couple of guys. And this one guy was um, uh, giving his uh, resignation. He was having to, to leave the committee. And um, it was going to be a great loss. We really valued um, his, his input and nobody wanted him to leave. Um, and, and yet, you know, you have to accept that. Uh, people have to do what they have to do. And so, um, as I was describing it um, la- later, uh, or, or in the meeting itself, um, I, I couldn't, uh, I was telling somebody about his resignation, but I couldn't remember the word resign, you know? And this happens a lot. You get these mental burps in the mind, you know, and I can't, I can't find the word that I, I, I want to uh, dis- use to describe what, I, what I'm uh, trying to say here. And so um, the, the word that came to mind was abandon. <laughs> He's abandoning us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and, and I could see in his face uh, this, you know, he felt bad about it already, and to have it be perceived as he's abandoning us, um, and I could see that he was, you know, getting all kind of little, little boyish, you know, and uh, and, and and yet we, I think he saw it, I saw it, but we went on for a few more moments with the business at hand, and and it was still clearly still there. You know, and so I said, "Hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's just what just what just happened? Can we talk about what just arose?" You know, and and um, and so we talked it through. I mean, this is this was like priceless. Do you know how many years I've tried to get to this point in my life? You know, just to be able to say, "I said something that hurt you, didn't I?" You know. And to explain that I couldn't think of the word. That's not the word I meant. I meant this word, and and who knew it was a loaded word for him? You know, I didn't know that, but it was. And um, we just got through it, and we had a giggle, and and that was that. You know, it was over. <laughs> Instead of you know that all the bad feelings that can arise from moments like that because they aren't seen uh, fully and with impartiality as they're arising. And, and just sometimes that's all it takes. It's, it's a simple moment of addressing it, you know. It's very, very it's been, uh, that kind of thing can be very, very empowering. There's no residue. <laughs> we would still adore each other, you know. <laughs> I just love that. So if we see it arise, it, it, then we're more able to stand free. Or just turn that around. If you're standing free, you're more able to see it arise. And that's, that's what uh, is in, in so empowering to understand, penetrate the impermanent nature of things. But it has to be said, and maybe this is the not so bad news, but it has to be said that developing that capacity to see uh, physical and, and mental um, conditions arise implies quite a profound stillness, internal stillness. And, and that may be um, hard one. That may take some time to develop and, and to mature in all of us, but that's, that's okay, you know? <laughs> we just want to acknowledge that, that cultivating it uh, is a process and that it takes some time. And um, it kind of gives you a lot of humility and, and patience along the way just to, to recognize that even if we come in on it a few minutes down the road, uh, that's okay, or even months down the road. But I, I love just kind of narrowing that gap and seeing it when it's happening. 
you know, my good Dharma buddy, and I, you know, she's, uh, she said she and her husband have just really worked on this over the years, and um, they're, they're just so good at it now. She said, you know, we can get into a spat, and then, you know, right in the midst of, um, you know, I'm, I'm really right and you're really wrong, one or another of them will go, <laughs> and then just burst out, burst out laughing and say, did you see what we just did? Yeah, okay, let's move on. <laughs> Don't stay there. So it, it, we develop this inner stillness and it gets very strong. So just noticing the arising of things. And the second one is noticing uh, when they pass away. And we also want to become um, very skilled at, at staying for the duration of an arisen uh, condition or state so that you can notice the moment when it disappears. And this is, uh, I think, the, my experience with this, and maybe it's just me, that's a lot harder. <laughs> because the habit of the mind to not want to rest in uncertainty and the changeability of things is very great. It, because it, to do so leaves us in a, in a supremely vulnerable place. You know, who wants to go there? So I think I think this in, in particular is deeply entrenched. May not be for you. I just this, this is just noticing in my own mind. It, it, the mind uh, tends to get uh, lost in, in, in mind states and, uh, because it, it takes them to be so real and, and, it, uh, and so alluring. So um, we, what's happening here is that we haven't yet uh, experienced um, the, the mental events as non-self. You know, it just, uh, it, it, that takes some time, that takes some years in practice, and we need to break up that habit so that we can uh, see them uh, in and of themselves. And this can, this can really be very, very, very powerful. And, and what this kind of seeing does is um, helps us to uh, cut through uh, the, the power that states seem to have over us. Uh, at least that's how I've experienced it. So it's like, you know, it, it, it took me many years to, uh, to realize that I didn't have to go into states. The, this is because the identification with the mind is so much greater than it is with the body. But, uh, oh, maybe that's not fair. It's, it's just to say it's very great. Uh, that um, the, it doesn't, uh, because of self-view and because of that attachment is so great, we actually think the mind is who we are. And so this movement to sit outside of it and to know mental events as mental e- events uh, it can take uh, quite, a, quite a long time. And until that point, they, they, they seem to have a power. It's like, you know, did you ever feel like a, a strong state of aversion and you can't not be averse, you know? It, it's just, it's, it doesn't, uh, the idea of being outside of that can be hard won. But I often think of this teaching of uh, Ajahn Chah where he said, you know, the states don't bother you, you bother them. You know, and that that the mind just keeps going to that state. Uh, that that needs to be seen. So just consider how this uh, uh, capacity to to see uh, states pass away, how that might play out. You know, maybe you you, you come upon a state of anxiety, and uh, over the years of practice, one is getting a little more skilled at knowing that you're anxious, knowing that you're restless. Uh, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe several times of doing this, uh, just to be able to um, know that phenomenologically uh, begins to inch us into this state of really, really knowing that in a very deep way. And, and when you do, you know, maybe in the moment, when you know anxiety as anxiety and aren't anxious, yeah, that moment can feel like this, you know, just warm water. <laughs> you know, like, like there's this tremendous relief, this tremendous release. Uh, and that needs to be attended to. That the, the heart needs to really see what it's like 
to have a moment of that kind of non-attachment to a state, it, it feels so good. <laughs> you know, you, you want to be able to, to soak in it a bit. This is where having a greedy mind can be very, very helpful. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> you know, it's delicious. I'm loving it. And, uh, uh, and, and that kind of knowing is the thing that makes it uh, possible to move through uh, in, in the future. So uh, it's an illuminating moment and, and it reinforces the understanding uh, uh, of impermanence. That state, which seemed so real in one moment, suddenly doesn't have the same reality. You know, and this is where I say, uh, being getting older, one of the conditions of being older, where you you just forget something so quickly, is very very helpful. You know, <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, I can be going on about something and with this incredible intensity, and then uh, maybe be distracted for a moment or turn away for a moment, and then uh, it totally is like, what was that again? What was I so annoyed about? I can't, I can't even remember what it was, let alone generate that feeling of annoyance or irritation. You know, it, so if we know how to hold those moments correctly and not just slough them off as some old age consequence, you know, <laughs> but just see, see what's going on there, you're, you're actually seeing uh, the, how, how um, these states do not have to dominate. It's a twisted way to see it, but it's a great, it's a great way help, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm loving that part of getting older. You know, I don't know about you, but some of that, uh, sometimes I, things that used to, used to, I used to really get up a full head of steam of greed or hatred going, you know, eh, you know, I just can't do it anymore. It's just, I don't have the energy, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go bonkers about it, you know. Just let it be the way that it is. It's fine, <laughs> you know. So, in just in, in formal practice, you can actually see with great precision the um, endings of things. The, the momentum of, of looking at what's arising and staying with it gets very, very strong uh, after, I don't know, different for everybody usually takes me a couple of months, you know, just to get that mind that still, that it actually can see the arising and, and passing of things. And, and there's actually uh, uh, states that one uh, gets into in, in, in formal practice where it can become so precise that you, you, it's like uh, thoughts are like, almost like uh, stars being born and, you know, arising and passing away, you know, just boom, 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 you know. Very, very, very quickly, and uh, there's a there's a, a period that's uh, called seeing the dissolution, seeing the endings of things, that uh, can get very wobbly. You know, sometimes you see meditators um, walking around the halls, kind of hanging onto walls and, and doors, or even, you know, I actually saw somebody crawling one time because uh, they're just so seeing the endings of things. Uh, and the impermanent nature, the uh, lack of uh, solidity to anything. It's a, kind of like being in a fun house where the, the floor keeps rocking, you know, you're trying to get some stable footing and you can't because everything is being seen um, uh, moving. It's, a moving. it's like a moving target. So anyway, the, the, these endings of things can uh, be... Um, uh, a hard just seeing the endings of things can be hard one just to know that the the mind keeps slipping off of it because it's a it's a very vulnerable and and often scary place so uh, finally just noticing both the arising and the vanishing and this this last one is often this section um, is is quite interesting i think often we can think of this as kind of like a summary you see the arising, you see the passing, and you see the arising and passing, you know? And uh, I often wondered, why, why is the Buddha phrasing it that way, you know? Didn't he just say, you see the arising, you see the passing? And now he says, you see the arising and passing, you know? But he's actually pointing to, um, the commentary says he's actually pointing to a, um, uh, a, a new kind of uh, seeing. 
it's like me, uh, often when we're seeing the um, for many years it might be sort of me seeing th- something rise me seeing something uh, pass away and um, but ultimately um, the phenomena will be understood in, in a much more impersonal way so that this arising and vanishing both the arising and vanishing is that leap you know it's not I'm not seeing it it's it's more you see it more there is the arising there is the passing away of a, a physical or feeling or mental condition and so it's a it's a decidedly um, different uh, posture and uh, it's it, what's happening here is that one is really deepening uh, it, it proceeds from having uh, deepened our um, uh, understanding of the selfless nature of things so it's getting it's getting that impersonal. So I mean, there's there's a whole lot to it, and I'm just covering some of the um, things that have been most helpful for me. And I, I just wanted to close with um, one kind of fun little ditty. I, I hope I hope it's fun for you too. But uh, um, I, I get into these. Um, I, I get interested in certain things every now and then, and I embark on these explorations. Uh, that of things that I want to understand, and um, you know, I, I mean, I could go through a litany, but I'll just skip that. <laughs> uh, but the, the current one, what what I'm kind of looking at now, is I, I got this notion in my head that some uh, that, that there's a certain arrogance in human beings, and and self view is uh, uh, is sort of a, the way that that gets played out. And, and yet I, I wonder how significant we are at all, you know. <laughs> and so I started to look, this, you see the way my mind works, I started to look into um, um, the li- life on this planet and how it was formed and what kind of changes it's gone through since the, the birth of the planet and how it is that human beings got here. And, uh, and and just kind of considering it within a context of evolution, you know. And there's a lot of really good stuff on the internet if this interests you at all. But there's this one whole series on Discovery Channel that's um, about, it's, it's got an unfortunate title, but it's called Prehistoric Disasters. And uh, it, it's, it starts with the birth of the planet and the, the various things that have happened, including massive volcanic eruptions in Siberia that covered the entire planet, you know, ice ages, uh, uh, you know, major movements of um, continents and bodies of water and uh, uh, extinction of uh, untold numbers of um, uh, beings, you know, uh, different species of of, uh, life forms have been here, both plant and animal. Um, for um, you know what is it, 650 billion years you know uh, and and uh, they're just coming and going and coming and going and coming and going and uh, enduring or not enduring all of these various changes that the planet has gone through for uh, various reasons and in, in the end what it came to is like where human beings come in is really um, a consequence of the fact that during the last ice age, <laughs> there were these little funny-looking mammals that um, survived the ice age because they were able to burrow deep down into the ground. And, and they're among a few, uh, just a, a few of the species on the planet at that time that survived, you know. And, and, and we're, we're kind of their descendants. <laughs> and so I got to this place where it was like, Wow, you know, what if we're just kind of an accident of evolution, you know? What if it's just kind of this whole, pro- I don't know what we are, you know? But it, things keep changing, and we're part of this changing process. And, and uh, uh, it's just fascinating to really let the heart touch the um, un- uncertain, unstable, constant changing conditions of life on this planet that have brought us to where we are and and it's not like we're we have dominion over that it's like we're, we're a product of it you know we're still in it 
And so it could happen again at any time, you know, all kinds of things. And so I don't know, that it just helps me to get with the program here, you know, get with the reality of it. And in a twisted kind of way, it's, it's incredibly um, peaceful, peace-inducing, you know. It's like, I don't know, just relax into it all. And, and I remembered this sutta, that this is a rather obscure sutta uh, of the Buddhas from the Anguttara Nikaya. And here's what he says. I mean, he's like speaking to this completely. He's talking to the, his disciples and he says, Impermanent are all sankharas, unstable, inconstant, hence they are not a cause for comfort and satisfaction. One must necessarily get tired of them, be disgusted by them, and completely free of them. And then, as if to impress them um, with this perspective even more, he goes on to say this. He says, um, There will come a time, maybe hundreds of thousands of years from now, when no more rains will fall. And consequently, all plants and animals, all vegetation will dry up and be destroyed. With the scorching of the earth, due to the appearance of a second sun, Streams and rivers will go dry. Lakes and even the great oceans will dry up in the course of time. Even the wide earth will begin to smoke and burn up in a great holocaust. Thus, all conditioned things are impermanent (laughs) and hardly a cause for comfort, so much so that one must necessarily get tired of them. Necessarily. Necessarily get tired of them. You know, and I, I, def- I read that and I went, well, wait a minute, what about the sun, you know? <laughs> Let's go back there, you know? But that's not the point that he's making, you know? It's, no, get, get to here, don't worry about the sun, don't worry about the rivers drying up, don't worry about it, 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 all this is going to happen. But, and I'm not suggesting that don't work on environmental concerns, but, uh, <laughs> but, but just to know that this is in the nature of things and to make peace with this. This is the way uh, things go. So that's all. I mean, just be, be, be still enough. <laughs> be still. <laughs> really? Exactly. Sleep well, because you know this, because you get this. Be still enough to, to see phenomena arise, you know, mindful enough to stay with them while they endure, and uh, interested enough and impartial enough to let them go when they pass away, you know. I mean, that's, that's all he's getting at, and it's simple. So, so just do it. <laughs> that's what I that's what I task is. <laughs> I offer this for your reflection tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.